Radioactive wishes to apologize in advance for the following program, but it is not prepared to, as it feels there is no need for it. It would therefore like to apologize for the lack of an apology, but feels that it too would be unnecessary, and therefore withdraws it. In the event of it being proved wrong, and an apology being warranted, it would like to make clear that the absence of such an apology was due to the genuine, if misguided, belief that it would not be required. But, in order to safeguard against such a situation, Radioactive wishes to apologize in advance for the following program. <laughs> Sorry. Hello and welcome on this historic day in the history of Radioactive, because the program coming to you live, not from our usual studios, but from the studios of Radio 52.873 in the city of Brisbane, Australia. Yes, indeed. All the radioactive crew, including our chief engineer, unfortunately, out here in sunny Australia. We've got Mike Flex in Sydney. Hello, Mike. An adapter in Adelaide. Hi, Mike. And Sir Norman Tonsil in bed. <laughs> and we'll be hopefully talking to him later. Uh, sad to say, not all the radioactive team are able to be here, and the greatest tragedy of all surrounds hospital radio favourite Martin Brown. Uh, he, unfortunately, did make it, and he's with me now in the studio. <laughs> Hello, Mike. It's a very great honour and, um, and a privilege to be here. Thank you. Yes, yes not so a complete waste of money. Thank you, Martin. And, uh, we're joined by the top DJ here on Radio 52.873, catchy name for a station, the Ripper Drongo of Brisbane, Craig Stevens. I'd like to wish you and all your listeners a very warm welcome, Mike. Thanks very much. But I'm not gonna. <laughs> How very amusing. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Nothing. Mate, I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to talk to you. No, I don't think I can either. Well, uh, <laughs> let's uh, not waste too much time right now, Craig, because my good friend Mike Flex, I believe, is uh, out and about on the streets of Sydney. Mike. Yes, thank you very much, Mike. Uh, well, for some time now, Sydney has been regarded as one of the most exciting and fast-moving cities in the world, a vibrant, cosmopolitan, gay capital of the West. And I'm going to talk to one or two of the people here about the Sydney lifestyle. Excuse me. Ah, oh, yeah, mate. Uh, do you uh, live here in Sydney? Ah, oh, yeah. So what do people do here that makes it special? Ah, oh, mate! <laughs> yes? Ah, oh, jeez, the guy raging, mate. Yes, what, what does raging involve? Well, you're going to rage, mate. You know, you get a load of beers and a load of chicks and stuff and you spend all night together and you start letting your hair down and doing whatever you feel like because no one cares, right? You know what I mean? And, like, that's what raging is. And is there sexual intercourse involved? Ah, <laughs> oh, no, mate, we don't have time for that now. We're too busy raging, right? <laughs> well, that certainly sounds like a pretty enviable lifestyle. Excuse me, can I have a word with you? Oh, yeah, man, that's cool. Great. Are you from Sydney? Oh, yeah, sure thing, for real. Yes. Uh, a lot of people regard Sydney as being very Americanized. Is that true? Oh, no, man, like we do our own thing, right? Yes. Well, obviously, no traces there. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much for talking to us. Excuse me, sir, uh, where are you yeah. from? Uh, Britain. Britain, I see. How often do you come over here? Uh, once or twice a week. You, you don't suffer from jet lag at all? No, no. As you can see, I'm fit and ready to go at nine o'clock in the morning. Yes, it's actually four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> well, I'd better take these pyjamas off, hadn't I? Well, uh, some Australians, particularly here in Queensland, have been accused of a certain amount of hostility towards the Aborigines. Uh, David Guild, as a typical Queenslander, would you say that was fair? Well, your average Abbo, no disrespect, but your average pickaninny, no offence, man. 
The only way of treating him is to hit him over the head with a pickaxe handle, and when he asks you why you did it, you hit him again and tell him to shut up. <laughs> uh, some people might be a little surprised by your views, Dave, uh, seeing as how you are, in fact, the Minister for Aboriginal Affairs. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't want it. I wanted to be Minister for Sport. <laughs> but they gave me this job on account of my extremely liberal views. Some people in Britain might think of your views more as being rather, well, fascist. Look, Mike, there are still some people around who think Adolf Hitler was a fascist. <laughs> yes, well, he was a fascist. Not compared to the good folks around here, he wasn't. And now, radioactive Commercial time. Farming can be a tough life for a man working night and day out in all weathers. I like to work hard. I like to tend me fields. I like to take good care of me animals. And when I come home at night, I like to feel I've done a good day's work. That's when I like to relax. That's when I like to take me overalls off. I like to lie down and I like to have sexual intercourse with me wife. <laughs> Procreation's a great thing, you know. Australia needs it. Give your wife one tonight. <laughs> G'day. A lot of you poms have got the idea that Aussies are vulgar brutes. Well, there's nothing vulgar about me, mates. I know all about gracious living. When I get rid of me amber nectar, I don't get rid of it just anywhere. I've got style. I've got a dunny. Why don't you get a dunny? Dunny. The Australian Focaccia. <laughs> Out now on JMB Records, Bob Villain salutes Australia. I come from a land Yes, men at work, and Bob, whose own records have been selling very badly indeed recently, pays tribute to a number of Australian bands who've been doing noticeably better, like the Bee Gees. Tragedy! When the feeling's going, the king of it's a tragedy! <laughs> Olivia Newton John. Let's get physical! Physical! I want to get physical! And Rolf Harris. Sammy Kangaroo Dance. Spot! Sammy Kangaroo Dance. And on the same great album, Billy Bragg sings Waltzing Matilda. Waltzing Matilda! Waltzing Matilda! You can waltzing! It's all on one great album, out now. G'day, and I've been joined today by some members of the British radio station, Radio Sponges. Uh, with me, I've got Mike Channel, who has come prepared for tropical Brisbane in a three-piece worsted suit and cravat. I've also got someone called Martin Brown, who, if you ask me, has slipped his moorings and fallen out of his tree some time ago. Anyway, he's mingling with some of the lads from the station over in the bar, isn't he, Mike? Uh, yes, that's right. Hello, Martin. <laughs> Oh, hello, Mike. Um, that's right, indeed. Thank you very much. Well, I'm, I'm pleased to say that um, people here at the station have been most kind in assisting me with some aspects of the Australian language, with, with some Australian words. Yes. Uh, such as Martin? Um, no, not such as Martin. That's my name. <laughs> I was fascinated to learn that a boomerang is an Aboriginal word that originally meant a meringue that went uh, flat. And, uh, <laughs> Yes, and it was consequently uh, booed by the tribe. Hence <laughs> uh, the uh, phrase boo mirang. That's uh, absolutely fascinating, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Martin, who are those people laughing in the background? Uh, 
they're, they're the people from the radio station. Actually, Mike, uh, are obviously enjoying the broadcast. Yes, they're making you feel at home, are they, Martin? Oh, yes, yes, indeed, Mike. They've, they've already called me a, a, a pommy puffter. Have they? <laughs> yes, and they, it means they're a respected broadcasting colleague from overseas, apparently. Um, <laughs> they've got a, a phrase for you, actually, Mike. Uh, what's that? Pommy kipper! <laughs> pommy pom, <pommy> kipper. <laughs> so that's because I like my kip, is it, Martin? Um, no, no it's, it's because your spine is two-faced and smelly, Mike. <laughs> Thanks very much, Martin Brown. Well, this is Hannah Dapter, and I've upped my tucker bag, stuffed my tinnies in my jumbuck, and I'm going out back, right in the middle of the billabong. But right now, I'm at a cocktail party, and I'm in the company of a variety of Australian celebrities, and the whole thing has been organised by Brett Hardy here. Uh, yeah, well, now the uh, centre of this party is a good old Australian barbie. Now, to have a really good barbie, you've got to have a really good fire going, and uh, really get all the meat cooked through properly. Uh, we Australians like our meat well done, you know, so it's just about going now. <laughs> yes? Uh, if you'd uh, like to come over here. Uh, where are you? In the middle of the smoke here. <laughs> right. Uh, I think it's just about ready now. Uh, how long has it been cooking? Uh, about four hours. Uh, right, there you are. That's a lovely lamb chop. Or possibly a tomato. <laughs> to tell. Uh, this is either a grilled prawn or a cooking fork. Uh, that's either steak or fish. Let's just try it. Well... Uh, it was a washing up cloth. <laughs> and uh, here's one of our celebrated Australian meat pies. Now, what do you think of that? Well, to be honest, it looks like something babies do in their nappies. <laughs> oh, geez, the bloody fire must have brought down the washing line. Yes, it's certainly giving off some pretty impressive looking flames now. Oh, yeah. So that's what you call a really good barbie, is it? Uh, no, that's what we call a really good bushfire, actually. Oh. Let's get out of here, guys. I'm here with Australian poet Dominic Lefray. Now, uh, Dominic, perhaps uh, you could give us some examples of Australian poetry. Right. First off, I'll give you a rendering of the famous folk poem, The Man from Snowy River, which tells of the epic journey made in terrible adversity by the man who discovered the snow mountains. Good. You bet your bottom it's good. Right. <laughs> he rode for nigh on 50 days into the wild and hostile hills and kept himself awake by taking little coloured pills. His brow was deeply furrowed, for he'd had such little sleep but he willed himself at last to rest with the dreams of shagging sheep. <laughs> you must know what a sheep is, for God's sake. Yes, it was a bit Third verse. He slept, he slept for seven days that sleep he'd bought so dear till his lover last did wake him with a bleating in his ear. Yes, maybe we could uh, hear another poem without quite so many sheep references. All right, uh, this is the lament for the outback. No sheep? No sheep. Good. Oh, take me back to the billabong, where as boys we used to sleep. I'm sorry, are you absolutely sure that the sheep don't make an appearance in this poem? Absolutely. Oh, take me back to the billabong, where as boys we used to sleep, where the air was full of birdsong, as we used to dress the kangaroos up in kamiyinikas and suspenders. Yes, thank you. We used to bend them over and lift well, here in what has been described as the gay capital of the West, the increase in AIDS victims has posed a very real threat for the medical profession. With me now is Health Officer Sidney Shaw. Hello. Uh, Sydney has a real problem with the homosexual disease AIDS, isn't that right? 
Uh, the city of Sydney does, yes. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Um, so, uh, how do you detect it first, Sydney? Uh, uh, well, it's a viral disease, almost entirely restricted to homosexuals, which is carried in the blood. And so the only real way of tracing it is with a blood test. It's the same strain of virus as hepatitis? It's the same strain of virus as uh, hepatitis. Is it? <laughs> I believe so. Oh, that's useful to know. Should save a bit of time. Thanks very much. So, do you test all homosexuals? Uh, no, provided they say they're homosexuals, we take their word for it, generally. <laughs> Is it, do, you, uh, do you do blood tests on all homosexuals? Uh, oh, see, well, we would do, but uh, they claim it's discrimination. Which you dispute. Well, I ask you, is forcing blood tests on people who are homosexual to the exclusion of everyone else in society discrimination? Yes. Yeah, it is. You're right, then. It's discrimination. Yes, I can see you're an educated man. So, uh, can you offer any comfort to homosexuals, then? What are you trying to imply? Uh, I mean... <laughs> uh, what precautions can you offer for homosexuals? Uh, well, start sleeping with women. That's probably the best... <laughs> Now, what precaution against AIDS can you offer them? Oh, well, uh, we've done a number of years' research on this, and we basically concluded that the most foolproof precaution you can take against AIDS is not to catch it. Uh, that way, you uh, stand very little chance of developing any of the symptoms. Great. Well, I'm sure that will come as a great relief to them. What about the rest of the community? Uh, well, it has been suggested that we herd up all homosexuals and put them all in one pre-designated zone in a part of the city. Yes, that, that's barbaric. Absolutely. Yes, you don't want them in the city. I agree. You want them out in the bush. <laughs> Well, Australian sportsmen have long been known for their tough, macho image. Mm, yummy. And to find out how true it is, I'm delighted to have been joined here at the barbecue by Dennis Lilly and John Newcomb. Hi. Hello. Now, you both have this rugged Australian image. How true is it? Oh, I guess it's pretty true. Yeah, we're both uh, pretty tough nuts, Anna. Yep. But we've seen the Prime Minister of Australia cry. Mm -hmm. We've seen the captain of the Australian cricket team cry. Yep. Do you ever cry? No, no, no. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You know, really uh, big things, that's all. Yeah, when when somebody passes away. You know. Or when I'm away from my family for a while. Yeah. Or if I hurt my finger. <laughs> when a flower dies. When a rainbow disappears. All kinds of things we cry about, in fact. We yes. cry babies, a pair of us. That's... Uh, that's a lovely outfit, if I may say so, Anna. Oh, thank you, Dennis. John, turning to you, many people remember your partnership with Tony Roach. I'd rather not talk about that, thank well, you. Why is it? Uh, it's, it's too painful. I'm, I'm sorry, it's still fresh in my mind. Uh, Dennis? Do you think I could borrow your outfit, Anna? Uh, no. <laughs> he never even you... kissed me a day. Oh, shut up, you old queen. Oh, Tony, come back. Use your own tissue. Oh, shut up, you old Your mascara's running all over the place. Uh, look. Are there any Australian sporting heroes who are, in fact, all Australian men? Yes. Who? Margaret Court. <laughs> I'm back with my channel from Radio Freebie. Active. Uh, who's here on an active freebie. Anyway, it's a chance for you bombs to hear an extract from one of our great Rigid Itch homegrown TV shows, a marvellous soap opera which uh, here in Australia goes out right across the week at peak viewing time. Yes, and is shown in Britain at the rather more appropriate time of half past ten in the morning. Uh... We present episode 75 of Buckos and Sheilas. Steve has sent a message to Miriam telling her to meet him urgently and she has gone to a remote sheep farm outside Adelaide. 
Meanwhile, Ronnie Billingham, William Watkins, Dr. Crabb, Harvey O'Toole, Danny the Drongo, Sir John Seymour Barton, Christopher Scraggs, Charlie Chunder, Joe Bielke Peterson, Mark Swampy, and Frank the Gay Barman have decided that they have enough people to make up a footy team. <laughs> right, off you go. Come in. Come in. Jesse. Frank, you've. you've come back. Yes, I've. Come back, Jesse. What do you want? Jeez, I wouldn't say no to a bear. It's in the icebox. Come here, Jesse. I see you still remember how to kiss, Frank. Simon, I'm sorry I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter. What you ask you, I'm saying nothing. I won't answer whatever you say. Do you understand? You want a beer? Now you're talking. But I have to tell you, Don and I... Yes? Over the last few weeks, Don and I, we've... Well, we've... We've had... T tell me, Kath. I promise I'll try and understand. We've had all the beer out of the icebox. You bastards. <laughs> Buckos and Sheila's was brought to you by Channel 7 in association with Swamp Lager Company. Coming to you locally, wherever you are in the nation. This is Britain's first national local radio station. Radio Well, I've come down now into the Barossa Valley, which is the heart of Australian winemaking, and I'm here in the cellar of the Magoolish Winery with winemaker Tom Magoolish. Hello, Tom. Good day. Tom. How long have you been making wine here? Well, my father grew wine here, my grandfather grew wine here, and even my great-grandfather grew wine here. So how long has your family been here? About five years now. We like to keep the old folks working, you know. Right. Well, maybe we can get straight on with the most important business for me. Mm, the tasting. <laughs> <laughs> you greedy old pig. Okay. Right, well, we make a variety of wines here. There's our most famous Cabernet Sauvignon, which has won a lot of prizes, actually. Our excellent gold medal-winning Ryan Riesling. But the one we always bring out for the free wine taste is the ghoulish super carbonated chemically resin table white with added tannin. <laughs> Do I detect a, a semillon grape in this? Oh, geez, yeah, I'm sorry, I'll fish that out for you. Right, there you go. Knock it back. Ooh, fiery torments a horned creature armed with a rake seems to strike at me. Molten lava pours inside my ear. A thousand skull faced goblins gnaw at my leg down to the bone. Red hot needles plunge into my eyes, and all is darkness. You like it? Thank you. channel from Radio Free Booze. Active. Uh, let me tell you, my channel, uh, one thing I hate are whinging poms. I mean, you don't hear us Aussies going on about how we dislike everything. I hate poms who just go on and on about how they dislike everything. I hate that. Yes, anything else you Yeah, hate? I hate middle-aged poms wearing suits and cravettes pretending to be disc jockeys. <laughs> well, uh, nice to hear from a whinging Aussie there. Good, well, a chance now for us to uh, hear a little uh, music from a British artist who's big down under, as they say, Molten John. I hate all poms, especially when 
Uh, so here he is, Molten John. Who's he think he is anyway? When I was young, I once believed Singers who wore glasses could not succeed So I spent all the money that I had at least I'd speak so big, I had them double-pleased I want to new shoes, cause I was so fatigued They robbed me up to nearly five movies And that's how I made it in the world I pop If I turn the bottom and I'm up and I'm the top It's time to rejoin Anna Dapter, who's continuing her tour of the wineries of the Barossa Valley, and she should hopefully be ready to talk to us from the St. Wayne's Winery. Hello, Anna. How's the Aussie grape juice? <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Well, here I am in the lovely Barossa. <laughs> the Barossa, I should say. <laughs> I should say. Valley with the most charming host a girl could ever hope for. <laughs> <laughs> The owner of this delightful vineyard, a winery, I should say, I should say. <laughs> uh, Mr. Jean Eclair. Hello. <laughs> now, Jean. Jean. Jean, Jean. <laughs> Monsieur Eclair. This winery was originally a monastery. Oh, uh, yes, huh? in fact, we still have many monks who still work here for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you really? How extremely funny. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh dear. So, how does all this machinery make uh, the wine which you sell here? <laughs> well, in days of Europe, of course, the vineyard owners would make the monks tread the grapes with their own feet. But now we have machines to do that. Your machines make the monks tread the grapes with their own feet? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the machines crush the grapes. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. So what happens then? Well, the wine ferments... And uh -huh. is emptied into these vats here. <laughs> yeah, some seems to be made out of steel, others out of wood, and one out of the sort of a black cloth. I uh, know that's Brother Simon. <laughs> <laughs> He's just having his afternoon oh. nap. <laughs> <laughs> you really are a most entertaining man. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> you are sure that it's usual to have a pint glass for wine tasting? 
girls uh, come into my office for a moment. Uh, uh, well, uh, we'd best leave Anna there. Uh, doubtless sampling some more of Monsieur Eclair's grape juice. I think I could have phrased that better. Well, we understand we have managed to get through to Sir Norman Tonsil, our chairman in Melbourne, and he's ready to talk to us now. Sir Norman, how are things? How are you? <laughs> Uh, Mike Flex, sir. Well, shut up. Yes, sir. I decided to uh, bring the radioactive staff over here and attempt to get rid of some of the vast quantities of cash I had amassed last year and which would otherwise be disappearing into the hands of the inland revenue. Uh, anyway, I had not quite reckoned on the catatonic stupidity of those I employ at Radioactive when I made my decision. Uh, firstly, Nigel Pry was offered an airline ticket from Heathrow to Sydney but decided instead on hitching. So he's now in hitching trying to find a flight to Sydney. <laughs> then the lovely lascivia was careful enough to follow the instructions and check her baggage in two hours before the flight, but sadly it didn't extend to remembering to check herself in or catch the flight. <laughs> As a result, we now have her suitcase, which contains one set of earrings, one pair of knickers, and an inflatable lilo. Uh, not much, but as she'd admitted to deflate the lilo before packing, there wasn't a great deal of room there. <laughs> Uncle Mike Stand refused to come in case he missed Bob a job week. And uh, finally, as a gesture of goodwill to the station, I decided to further Martin Brown's somewhat limited experience in broadcasting by bringing him over here with us and flogging him to any station that would have him. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry it's about time to say g'day to Mike and the rest of the crew of Radio Bloodsucker. Active. Well, they're just about coming to the end of their freebie visit. Friendly. Please. And they're heading back to the old country. Uh, have you ever been to Britain, Craig? Ah, yes, indeed, Mike. I was brought up over there. Do you know a place called Coventry? Yes. Bogale, isn't it? Uh, well, it's been delightful spending the last half hour in the company of Craig and the other illegitimate uh, ancestors of convicts. Well, thank you very much, Mike. That's just about the nicest thing you've said all day. Well, well goodbye to you, Craig. Goodbye, Mike, and goodbye to the rest of the radioactive crew. Hey, and it's on with the music yes, here. Yes, indeed, Craig, and I must say how much I'm looking forward to working uh, with Mike, you in uh, you didn't say you were going to leave this far. <laughs> Radioactive was performed by Helen Atkinson Wood, Angus Deaton, Jeffrey Perkins, Philip Pope, and Michael Fenton Stevens. Songs by Steve Brown, Richard Curtis, and Philip Pope. And the program was written by Angus Deaton and Jeffrey Perkins with additional material by John Cantor. The producer was Jamie Ricks. Sir Norman Tonsil, chairman of Radioactive, would like to make it known that while the major part of the Australian visit was covered by his own generous tax dodge, there are some minor expenses still outstanding. He would therefore like to afford the opportunity to Radio 4 listeners to send in any milk bottle tops, <laughs> old postage stamps, or unwanted foodstuffs to the controller of Radio 4, <laughs> BBC Broadcasting House, London W1A1AA. I'll just repeat that. <laughs> Sir Norman Tonsil, chairman of Radioactive, would like to make it known that while the major part of the Australian visit was covered by his own...